1: Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. And in this episode, I'm going to attempt to explain collective karma, how it could work within a city, state, country, planet, uh, and how it might affect a family. Um, But before I begin to attempt this very... uh, Attempt to explain this very tricky idea. If you'd like to support the Infinite Spark of Being with a five dollar or one dollar a month donation of support, you can find that link at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com, where you can also find links to purchase one of the two books that are available, as well as apparel such as T-shirts and tank tops and some other fun things. Um, yeah, that's it. So let's get started. So I'm going to recap a little bit here. I feel like it's important to always do that. Um, But karma is the predisposed patterns of attraction and aversion within the mind. Meaning that uh, karma is not what happened, but how the mind related to what happened. Um, Another way to understand this is uh, there's a flight. The flight goes from Miami to San Diego, right? Um, You're in the air. There's nothing we can do about that now, Uh, but what you do on that flight matters, especially recently with the duct taping of people to chairs. (laughs) Um, For instance, mom dies, right? That's a fact. That is going to happen. The plane is in the air as a fact of life. However, how you handle it, what you do on that flight, how your mind handles the event, And how you relate to the activity of the mind, how your mind relates to the flight, is the karma. Understand? Uh, Your karma is how you relate to uh, those predisposed attractions and aversions within the mind. But Keith, isn't karma a spiritual principle? What does the mind have to do with spirituality? Man, such a good question. Remember, when the soul travels from birth to birth, it brings the subtle body with it. The subtle body is the mind, the karma that is the soul's work. Karma is, it has everything to do with the mind. The mind is the spiritual work. The mind is the experience, right? Okay. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I don't know why I feel like I need to, um, I know I feel like I need to constantly, uh, recap things. It's because I want people to understand, um, Sorry for that brief inner dialogue. So (laughs) uh, that's what karma is. Um, But what's the source? Well, I don't know. I don't know the source of the first karma predicament. But I do know that my subconscious mind seems to be my actual karma, right? So um, let's look at the subconscious mind again. The subconscious mind is the operating system for the human being, meaning that uh, it's a database for all of my memories and experiences. These memories and experiences are what the mind uses to compare and contrast in order to decide what to do next uh, based on what's gonna be pleasurable or painful or dangerous or whatever. So since that's the case, that tends to be my view of the world, right? Or you could say that uh, it's my perception of the world. Remember, perception is a cognitive faculty of the mind and my perception is my experience. I experience the mind I experience the world through the mind so my perception and experience or my mind will dictate how I interact with the world which is a completely subjective thing so I can begin to see how karma um, is the subconscious mind hopefully you can too and how our experience is our karma now Um, If the subconscious mind is a data bank of experiences that the mind is using for comparing and contrasting, where did the data uh, or information originally come from? Well, if we look back at the widget analogy, right, we see that uh, it's simply the description that others gave us. Um, Others being caregivers, peers, leadership, media. uh, And along with that description that others gave us, there's also the information that we got from the environment, meaning that um, something like mistrust isn't always something that was taught to us, right? But it could be something that the mind kind of learned over time, which is where our attachment styles and life traps also come from, not just caregivers. Um, Our experience with our caregivers, so I guess indirectly, maybe so. Um, And just as a side note, the Life Traps test is something that my friend Troy uh, turned me onto at work. Um, It's a test that explained my attachment style a bit better, or at least helped it make more sense. Um, Those are two tests I highly recommend, Life Traps test and the attachment style test, specifically the one associated with the book titled Attached, along with the Enneagram, of course. And again, these things can start to sound clinical or academic or whatever, but and and they might turn off some of the more uh, woo-woo stuff in your opinion, but I want you to understand this stuff explains the work of the soul. It explains my karma to me in such a great way that it actually allows me to work with it. Um, I'm working through a lot of it right now. It's really great. I'm very grateful for those tests. So... Collective karma, uh, now that we've recapped and understand karma to essentially be the subconscious patterns of the mind, which is basically programming, we can see how a collective karma can emerge within a group of people. Uh, A family, for instance, can have a collective karma, a set of learned perceptions about the world that result in certain outcomes. Um, Again, remember, not a mystical scorekeeping system. It's not it's not necessarily fate. It's just, this is much more complicated. Than I thought it was going to be anyway. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree kind of thing. Um, it's funny when I look at my own immediate family, right? My mom and dad, people say, how did you end up so different from your parents? Those of you that might listen to this that have met my parents or whatever. Uh, well, did I, I mean, my ideals uh, are different from what theirs were, but energetically, they're the same. For instance, my parents were the kind of people that bucked against authority figures, rules, <laughs> laws. <laughs> well, uh, they were my authority figures, right? So really, I'm no different than them. And that bucking against my parents did create a certain cause and effect, right? So I was informed by their pushing or whatever Um, that bucking or pushing against authority is Due to certain attractions and aversions attractions and aversions that I probably learned from my parents on some level right that had nothing to do with their philosophies or ideals, right? Um, I'm pushing against something based on the attractions and aversions in my subconscious mind so my likes and dislikes that are learned responses create the conditions of my world. Remember, uh, Neville Goddard would say, your subconscious impressions create the conditions of your world. And again, these attractions and aversions are in the subconscious. So I'm not necessarily aware that that's happening, right? I probably just assume that my perception is an objective reality, you know? Like, that's my that's my beliefs and perceptions, uh, that I, I might believe that those are facts, right. Or true. Um, so, uh, that last description of my likes and dislikes based on my caregivers leads us to something very interesting. Uh, and it's about how we're influenced. Um, I'm not going to start from scratch. So if this next explanation Seems strange. You know, might want to go to the episode on the subconscious mind, give that a listen. But so let's go back to that widget description, right? Um, if you trust me, then you'll probably adopt my description of the widget. And if you do, that makes sense. You love me. You trust me. And since that's the case, we can see how that would influence your subconscious mind or your karma, right? Right. Karma again being not what happened, but how the mind related to what happened, how the mind thought about it. So you begin to uh, think like me. We do that in friend groups, right? Uh, And since you trust me, you look for what I tell you to be true when it comes to uh, these widgets, right? Uh, Your experience is my description of reality. You experience my description. And this can sound bad. It's not necessarily bad. You know, when it comes to karma, we tend to think of it as, as being bad all the time. It's it's not bad or good. It just is. Um, when I think of my friend group that I came up with, especially in music, um, there are ideals, philosophies within punk rock that have stayed with me that certain ones that I, I just glommed onto and was like, this is how it is. And as I got older, it's like, well, it's not exactly how it is. Uh, and some of them, I really learned that that is how it is. So this is my operating system. So really I'm constantly looking at my operating system to find out like what still works, what doesn't work, right? What's making my life more difficult. What's shutting me down. What's opening me up. Right. Um, cause the karma is always going to be there. Um, anyway, but what if you, if you don't trust me, right? Uh, what if you don't like me, uh, When we don't like someone or trust someone, we tend to disregard or even push against what they're saying or discount what they're saying without even considering it, right? Someone you don't like could say something, you just shut down immediately, right? We see this with politics. A politician that we typically disagree with makes a statement and we immediately shut down or write it off without even checking it out. Why? Because it goes against or offends our description of reality. What if reality is the widget, right? Um, So what about with parents, especially as teenagers? We push against what our parents say without a second thought, without any critical thought whatsoever, because that's kind of just the nature of being a teenager. But we do it as adults when it comes to politics and philosophies and things like that. Now, I'm not saying that we should believe everything everyone says, but I do believe we need to do our best to think about it or consider uh, our beliefs and descriptions a bit more right like what are like what are we receiving what in this information that we're receiving are do we have such an attraction or aversion to and why right it's like people watch the news and they watch the person that uh aligns with their description of reality that they've quote-unquote experienced, but really just experienced some other description that was given to them. Um, We don't experience things without influence or, you know, you get what I'm saying. Uh, So maybe cop to the fact that some of these beliefs and descriptions are about things that we have no experience with, right? We simply believe them because they fall in line with our already established narrative or description of how things are supposed to be. Um, when I started working in mental health, especially, I came into that field with a certain uh, belief about police and the military. And the more I did trauma work with these people, the more I learned about them as human beings, the more empathy I had and the more sympathy I had. And I found that a lot of my points of view weren't exactly right. I was talking to a client that's a, that was a, in in Afghanistan Uh, and is, was a police officer. I was talking to him about that this weekend. I was like, you know, there's a, I had certain ideas, man, and I was fucking wrong. (laughs) Um, and it's one of those things that I didn't have experience with these people. I mean, I had experience with the police, not good experiences. Shit. I was arrested one time over a fucking clerical error. So, (laughs) you know, but I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it anyway. I digress a bit, but the point uh, being that we are feeding into one another's karma and thus creating a collective karma. It's Indra's net of jewels, right? Each node on the net reflects the other nodes in the net. Um, Remember, if you think of like a, I'm sure I've said this before, a spider web covered in dew, each of those Those droplets of water reflects the other droplets of water that reflects the other droplets of water. So my like or dislike of what you're saying is a reflection of my own attractions and aversions, you see? So in that way, we're influencing each other's karma. Um, It's like this. If you disagree with everything... Actually, no. If you agree with everything that I say because that's what you do, that's what you always you always agree with me, then I'm reinforcing or influencing your subconscious thinking. If I'm someone you admire, someone you like, and you just take everything that I say and you agree with it, that's kind of dangerous, right? If you're trying, not dangerous, but if you're trying to sort out your thinking and trying to really like break things down and live closer to truth, then you want to take things apart that other people say. Um, If you blindly or thoughtlessly disagree with everything I say, then I'm still also influencing or reinforcing your subconscious thinking. So we can see, uh, how those two scenarios occur within a family. They influence the karma of those individuals. Uh, both of those scenarios are probably us following our gut or a vibe or intuition or something like that. But what's that feeling in your body? I mean, that's what like the vibe or intuition or whatever. It's a feeling in your body. And what's that? That's the mind. Your mind is sending signals to the body based on what it's perceiving in the subconscious. And what it's perceiving is a program. It's the way you always feel about that. We feel the way we feel because we always feel that way. When something aligns with our beliefs, we feel safe. Uh, things are as they should be, right? All is right in our world. Uh, nothing is going to threaten uh, our reality, right? If we just agree. Um Or we hear something that aligns with it. However, uh, you know, when things don't align with our beliefs, we don't feel safe. Something is perceived within the subconscious as a threat to our reality. And since our body starts to feel bad, we shut down to it. That's not a good idea. Um, You know, and people are going to hear this and they're going to think that I'm discounting intuition, but I'm not. I'm just saying that these signals are the mind. And remember, the mind or subtle body is the work of the soul. Um, but things get really interesting when we, uh, we start to challenge uh, we start challenging these things. We start to challenge the ego by taking those things apart and begin to honestly look at why we uh, agree or disagree. So you know, stop pushing on the things that you disagree with. Stop pulling on the things that you do agree with. That's when karma starts to change. That's when we find out what's what. It's like Chogyam Trungpa used to say. um, One time he told a bunch of students, he said, um, if you haven't started down the spiritual path, don't because it's one insult to the ego after another. (laughs) So when we look at collective karma, it's essentially patterns of the subconscious that are feeding off the patterns of other people's subconscious minds or what becomes their activity. So The collective karma of a family is essentially the adopted ways of perceiving the world, the ideas of how things work. uh, And those ideas are propagated within that household or family. So agreement for agreement's sake or disagreement for disagreement's sake is how this kind of works. That's how a karmic situation or predicament is perpetuated within a family. And it's really important to remember that karma isn't necessarily bad, right? Karma just is what it is. The mind or the ego is what labels it and judges it, uh, you know, with its preferences and opinions. So with this understanding of how karma works, you can see how we start uh, with our personal karma, Then we move into our karmic predicaments we have with other people, uh, then out into our familial karma, and then into cities, towns, countries, and eventually the entire planet. Like, this is all the mind. Our experience of others through the mind, our experience of our family through the mind, our experience of the city through the mind, towns, countries, planet, you see? So you start to look at this and you really, truly see that you can't escape karma. Karma is the entire game. Karma is the entire work of the soul. If there's no karma, then what the fuck is the soul doing here? You see, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, uh, so it's not a matter of getting rid of karma completely. You're not going to be able to do that. But it's a matter of knowing that it's there and it's happening and it's okay. It's just what's happening. It just is. So, what's the solution? Well, there is no solution. (laughs) Why would there be a solution? Uh, Karma is the predisposed patterns of attraction and aversion that exist within the subconscious mind. Subconscious mind is the operating system for the human being, uh, and that subconscious mind belongs to the soul. That is the soul's work. That is the soul's karma. That is your karma. You are soul. Uh, Now... If you don't like that answer, if you don't like how that feels, then you have to ask yourself, what doesn't like it, right? What doesn't like how that feels? And I'll save you some time. The mind, the ego. The ego doesn't like that there isn't a linear answer to a perceived problem. The ego sees it as a problem. See what I'm saying? So this leads us back to something that I'm sure I've said before, but... (laughs) it's what every text has been trying to teach us it's what buddha was trying to explain in the four noble truths it's what krishna was trying to explain to arjuna on the battlefield of Kirachetra when he was enunciating yoga to arjuna equanimity equanimity is the key to all of this so uh the famous saying pain is inevitable suffering is optional suffering comes from a lack of equanimity uh equanimity or even keeledness, evenness of temper, being able to sit in the body with discomfort is what will allow us to do something different. Otherwise, we're just responding to the body. That's what will allow us to do something different uh, that will prevent us from perpetuating unskillful patterns. Remember our uh, Viktor Frankl quote, between stimulus and response, there's a space, and that space lies our growth and our freedom. Um, I think that's out of man's search for meeting, And I think that I say, I think every time I quote it, you'd think that I would look it up, but I haven't. Uh, now when we look at collective karma, we have a problem. Um, how do we get an entire planet on the road to equanimity? You can't. Can you get yourself there? Of course you can. Uh, can you get those around you there? Maybe. I don't know but we try anyway. Why? Because, I don't know, you got to do something while you're here. (laughs) So it might as well be that. Um, My advice to you is to cultivate your own equanimity and hope that others catch on. If they suffer, they suffer. That's not your problem. Uh, They won't die your death, they won't live your life, and they won't have your practice. But that's fine. You know, don't turn into an annoying missionary that thinks that what's good for you is good for everybody else. That That's their karma. That's their curriculum. But you know, you're compassionate with it. Um, now, I want to be very clear about something. I want you to understand that I'm not telling you not to help other people. In my own life and career, in the mental health field, I have to find a balance. This means that I fight when I can, as best as I can, and then I let go of the outcome. That is what Buddha... Uh, That's what Buddha called right effort. That is what Krishna, again, was trying to tell Arjuna on the battlefield. Fight hard and then let it go. I'm not going to sacrifice my peace and equanimity for your chaos. My peace and equanimity is too valuable to me. My mental health is too valuable to me. I'll do my best to relieve your chaos and your suffering, but I'm not going to give up my ground for it. You fight hard for the ground you've got. Don't give it up. I hope that makes sense. So, um, so two separate, uh, to, well, there's personal karma and collective karma. Uh, and this, this almost seems foolish. If, if everyone is reflecting off of each other, then maybe it's just simply karma, right? Like, it's not necessarily my karma, it's just the karma. Um, cause and effect having, um, I'm not sure any of this helps. I hope it did. My intention is for you uh, to understand that karma is simply happening and it's not happening to you per se, it's just happening. The problem is that we have all of these opinions about how it's happening. So in my experience thus far, equanimity seems to be the remedy for that. And so far, spiritual practice has allowed me to achieve equanimity a lot of the time. Do I achieve it all the time? Absolutely not. But I'm working really hard on it, you know? Um, Yeah. You can't, I don't think you can separate personal karma and collective karma. I think it's just the karma, you know? I don't know. So that's it. (laughs) That's all I've got. Collective karma. How about that? Um, I hope this was helpful. Uh, If you have comments or questions, always reach out. You know I'll respond. Don't let me get away with saying crazy shit. Hold me accountable. Uh, If you're interested in donating to The Infinite Spark of Being, there's a Patreon link on the website for $1 or $5 a month donations. Uh, If you'd like to purchase any of the books or t-shirts, you can also find a link there as well. And as always, we're old friends. Don't hesitate to reach out. Don't be weird.